is the Not Ugly Pod, where we talk beauty that's odd. Look, I'm not a rapper, but you get the vibe. Hello, and welcome to the Not Ugly Pod. I am your host, Sarita Fontanesi, pronouns she, her. And this week, I am joined by a truly lovely and delightful human, Nia. Hello, welcome. Hi. Nia and I went to college together. Nia is a social media phenom and really killing the game, um, both for herself and with her clients, and also is a huge advocate for fat liberation, um, especially for Black folks, for neurodivergent folks, for all of us living in the margins. Um, Nia, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to correct you, but we're not going to re-record this, but my pronouns are actually they, them. Thank you for telling me. But yeah, so I, oh gosh, that's probably, that probably goes under the whole like umbrella of this podcast as well. And like gender and crack into it from a jump. Yes. (laughs) It's a construct. It's holding us all back. (laughs) Like really, what is it, what is it actually doing for us? Like, I'm curious. As as they say, what are they doing for me lately? You know? I love that. I love that. Anything else about yourself that you would like to share with the people? I mean, probably. I mean, this is a podcast, obviously. So like, you can't see me. Um, But I'm sure there'll be pictures. I am a very fat Black human. I use they them pronouns. I have ridiculously short hair at this point. Um, that was a pandemic choice. Um, a good one, though, that we're not going back yeah. against. Not anytime <laughs> soon. And let's see, I have a dog who just keeps trying to pop up behind me. Like, you know, you can just feel someone's eyes watching you. Usually when you have a sandwich, it's always yeah. his eyes. It's always his eyes. I love the word a social media phenom. I'm like, this needs to go on every business card. Social media strategist, business coach. I have run several businesses. I help people with their businesses. I show up on social media and talk about kind of whatever I want which is really nice. I'm very, very queer. Just put all the queers on me. It's just me. I am very queer and it just keeps getting worse and worse. I don't, it's a disease. I don't know. Um, But here we are. That's me. I love put all the queers on me. (laughs) (laughs) Like that can mean so many things. Exactly. Like that's what's so fun about it. (laughs) You could just take it in any way that you want and I'd probably be okay with it. And that's queerness, baby. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining and for sharing um, about yourself. Uh, I am truly ecstatic. Um, And so my first question for you to dive in is if you had a dumb amount of money, so we're talking not a care in the world, no bills, no nothing, what beauty product or treatment are you getting? This is so funny to me because I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Beauty is so far from like my daily concerns. I bought off Amazon before I went on my trip a couple weeks ago. I bought eye things like the little... Your eye patches? The under eye patches, the gold shiny one. And I was like, oh, this is, this is my like relaxed girl era. Do I need these? Like, I don't know. Like, I, mm, I, mm, I don't know if I need, like, this is the most beautitious product I have bought. 
in I don't know how long. Like, I don't really do breathing products because honestly, like every single time I've done a face mask, my skin breaks out in like the worst pimples, gross pimples, like huge pimples. And it's not just like one pimple. It is like a cluster, like a clusterfuck of whiteheaded pimples together on my nose. Like if you go back on my Instagram, I think it's like 2017. There's just like this ever prominent dark patch of skin on my nose that was like this cystic acne just like having a party and I like didn't know what to do with it so I just like left it alone which is kind of all you can do and that's what you're supposed to do again I know we are not in a visual medium but if you could see me right now you would see a giant acne scar on the side of my forehead where I picked at Mm -hmm. (laughs) one of those cystic pimples because I just couldn't resist the urge. I I get it. The fact that you were able to leave it alone is impressive. (laughs) It was, oh my gosh, that thing was huge. Um, But like every time I try and like do something that's like fancy girl era, like do my skin or like wash my face, like even wash my face sometimes, my skin is like... (laughs) think you are excuse me excuse the audacity of you thinking that I wanted you to watch me like you think you run this (laughs) (laughs) like you you thought that you were gonna have a clean face today so the fact that people are like moisturized and like have routines I'm like excuse me the fact that I make it from my couch to my bed and I take my night meds is the extent of my nighttime routine look I think we need to talk about meds as part of our beauty self-care treatment (laughs) because like as someone who has like a morning and evening skincare routine, like whatever, it is truly impossible if I'm not taking my meds. Like that's not, Mm. I don't care how many products I have, what products I have, whatever. If I'm not taking my meds, I'm probably not brushing my teeth, let alone doing... Oh, why are we brushing our teeth? I'm so sorry. I'm so confused. I love... What? Are we doing that now? I'm so sorry. I think meds, like, for your mental health and physical health. Like, I think meds that aren't necessarily specifically for beauty, but, like, help you function... All meds. Yes. All meds. All meds count as part of your beauty routine. (laughs) Okay, well, there we go. Then that is my beautician's routine every day, twice a day. Um, I take my meds. That is me being beautiful. But seriously, though, just, like, the Black women with the skin routines, their countertops are just, like, covered with, like, stuff. Like, they got eye cream. But not not only do they have, like, eye cream, they have, like, the pre-eye cream and the after-eye cream and then the serums. I, bless myself, would not even know what to do with these things. Like, at what point does your eye skin stop and your cheek skin begin? Like, these are the questions that I have for, like, Black women. I don't understand. Like, it is... It is too, it is too much. I mean, I know probably when I am like 80, because come on, that's like how old I'll be when my skin finally starts to sag. And I'll be like, I I needed to like moisturize when I was 22. My grandmother, who is 80, almost 82. Mm -hmm. And she will fully just take like lotion and like wipe it on her face. Oh yes, that is what my grandmother does. Like that's kind of a wrap and like still has beautiful skin. Oh yeah. Like, and this is true. So much of our physical appearance in general is genetics and look, black don't crack, baby. Oh yeah. I always remind myself, I'm like, look, if my grandmother can still look like she is in her sixties, 
and mm-hmm. she's 82 and all she's doing is rubbing Luberderm <laughs> across her face and some vitamin E oil. It's so That's true. Her, it's so true. Her only thing is, especially because I pick at my acne, she's like, well, just put some vitamin E oil on it. You'll be fine. Like, <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> And I'm like, if that's that's her skincare routine and her skin is still looking the way that it looks, I'm going to be all right. Exactly. We are fine. I just, I want to take this moment to apologize to all the white people in the audience who are not this lucky. Um, But for the rest of us, we're doing great. Look, (laughs) I got to have something. White supremacy is keeping me down. (laughs) The least I can have is my looks. Okay. (laughs) Reparations from the divine is my skin. Reparations come in many forms. Like I still want to check, but also (laughs) (laughs) a check for more, for more moisturizer, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. yeah, You know? Okay. So dumb amount of money you are. (laughs) Okay. So dumb. Okay. So dumb amount of money. And this goes back to my original comment. And also just like the fact that I'm not trying to buy any moisturizer, but also like some of these moisturizers, you have to have a dumb amount of money in order to purchase, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And you get two milliliters of it and it just makes me mad. But what I would get, which is, it's like a beauty product, but I would, I would get top surgery. I would get my, my chest chopped off. And that feels very beautiful or like, beautiful. I am pro augmentation. As long as it is coming from a place of, I feel more at home in my body. Yeah. For myself, not because society standards or because once I do this to my body, my life will be good. Like that's not be healthy. Oh, I'm places. pretty sure that once I do it, that the lovely like underarm fungal yeah, yeah. stuff will go away. Yeah. Like yeah. I've come to the agree, like to the conclusion that like top surgery for me is both like 50% gender related and 50% just like get the fuck off my chest. I am pro body augmentation as a form of like self-care, as a form yeah. of honoring yourself. Mm-hmm. I am not pro body augmentation in this is how I have to show up in the world in order to have worth and value. Like That's you fair. are, That's are all worthy and valuable with. Or it's without. like, yeah. It's like when your computer comes like downloaded with windows. Yeah. That's just how worth works. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that was the best analogy. I'm, I'm yes. making that there it is. forever. Forever. <laughs> Yeah, so I think cons- top surgery as a beauty treatment, absolutely, yes. There we go. That's me. There it is. And, it, and honestly, the because I've been looking into it this year, and like it would take a ridiculous amount of money and or financing. I could probably get most of it covered by my insurance, and I specifically picked an insurance that would cover it. There's a better surgeon, a better option who has like a better procedure that specifically works really well for people with like large chests. And yeah. of course she is not. Of course that's not. <laughs> yeah, that's not covered by insurance. So this is a side note, everyone, but just a fun fact to impress folks at your next dinner party. Credit Love scores, it. as we know Oh my them, God. Three-digit number that is attached to our lives were invented in 1989. It they makes are, me mad all the time. It, it, it infuriates me because when I say it's fake, I mean it. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh no, it's not it's it's not real. It was designed to be another barrier to keep black and brown people out of financial wealth and stability. You know like in Wizard of Oz where the like the the wizards behind like the the, yeah. the thing and he's like pulling all the cords and like whatever yeah. like that's what credit scores are. They're like, "Oh, your credit 
card this changed I'm pulling the string like and you've now taken out 10 more dollars on your loan this string is for you like it makes no fucking sense who cares get rid of them (laughs) right right like literally Um, one of my credit cards like I was paying it down so that like my like my percentage of yeah like used credit would go down oh oh no they were like oh you haven't been using your credit card we're reducing your credit limit. And I was like, oh, I was just at like 50%. Now I'm at like 90% again. Yes. I paid off a credit card and I was like, oh my God, so proud. I'm an adult. Oh, no. Never it. close it. Never and close it. And my credit score went down. They were like, ooh, mm-hmm. your credit history is so short now. And I was like, but I just proved to you that I can pay back the money. Wait, what? That's not what they want. They want they want you to prove that you can like suffer. Can you suffer good or do you suffer bad? <laughs> yeah, like how how badly do you suffer? Yeah, like what's is the it like sixty percent? Is it ninety percent? My other beauty treatment is abolishing credit scores because stress causes wrinkles. Like, oh, <laughs> just for the record, smiling also causes wrinkles, and this is just bullshit. Can I have nothing? Like, can I, (laughs) (laughs) can I just have the smooth skin of a newborn baby and not in a creepy way at all? Yeah, not in a creepy way. Just in a, like, maybe she bathes in the blood of her enemies kind of way. Exactly. Exactly. That's That's just my vibe. Now that we've figured out what we're spending our money on, I would love to know what does beauty mean to you? It feels like there's a definition that like no one knows once again wizard behind the curtain it feels like the thing that you don't know what it is but when you see it you know the porn <laughs> you're like I, I, I can't tell you what it is but when i see it i can be like this this qualifies underneath that like level or that standard yeah yeah, yeah. which is just rude someone just want to like give me a checklist and like we'll go from there like I, I hate the one where it's like more symmetrical faces are beautiful but if they're like directly symmetrical, nah, you're fucked. Then you look ugly. Too far, too far, too far. <laughs> Who is running the world's Photoshop where they're like, oh, yes, let me just like change. Let me just tweak this, tweak that. Like, it's bullshit. For me, I could say some really cheesy shit, but I don't know if that's what I truly believe. I just kind of stick away from it. It feels like one of those words that's like not for me. And not mm-hmm. not like I am not beautiful in my own way or whatever. It's just one of those words that I don't feel like I need to associate with that often, which I guess is kind of nice. And also I feel like this kind of goes along with my gender and that I'm like, when you stop trying to be a woman, mm-hmm. you kind of stop trying to be beautiful. Ooh, when you, I, okay. Ooh, gotta take some things in. To your point, beauty is traditionally assigned to women and femininity and mm-hmm. the like super traditional things that we say make a woman a woman. You mentioned earlier about how your hair is super short right now. And I remember when I did the big chop, my hair was, you know, one, two inches mm-hmm. after having straightened it for straightened it that's for the white people after after having put a perm on (laughs) once a month month for most of my life uh, I remember having this like deep crisis of like identity because one my hair had been such an important part of my life my mom had me at the salon Mm -hmm. I had that home coming through just before Saturday so that I was ready for church on Sunday like you know my hair had been 
the, and the rituals around my hair had been such a huge mm. part of my life. And also I had grown up with all of this messaging and had super internalized that, especially as a dark skinned black woman, my hair had to be on point. Oh, yes. Or I was less than and not, not qualified to exist in the world. And so now I had super short hair. Like I had the the TWA, my like tiny little Afro and had to figure out like how, like there was this messaging in myself of like, how do I prove to people that I'm a woman with short hair, which Mm. is what? No, (laughs) it totally is. If I identify as a woman, then however I present is woman. That is it. Like, yes, yes. But I, again, like this was, that was a huge, that so much of that time was unlearning all of this terrible messaging that I had grown Mm -hmm. up with and had internalized of like, again, especially as a dark skinned black woman with super short hair, that meant that I needed to present in a very specific way to be allowed to have that hair. Cause right. There's, there's the, the black femmes who rock short hair Mm -hmm. and, but everyone likes to say like, Oh, they're like, usually they're like, really like earthy and like they're like mother goddess like type they're ma- and they're very like mask honestly but like yeah yes. I, I'm trying to think of someone who's like strictly like femme femme that doesn't have like some length of hair like right. that doesn't look at least somewhat mask like it just it just is it just is society says so I went through a pretty solid headband and bow phase it was like I was oh. a fucking baby just oh, like, I love that. You know, like when people put, like, basically tape a bow to a baby's yep. head. It's yep. a girl. Don't get confused. I love that shit. I love that shit. <laughs> like, it was psychotic. I eat, <laughs> I eat it up. She looks like a he, and he looks like a her, and it doesn't even matter. Like, and they're babies, so who cares? <laughs> I, what was it? Like, I saw something come up on social media that was, like, woman called the police because she couldn't tell her twins apart. Mm-hmm. I was like, first of all. Hashtag me. <laughs> Second of all, why did we call the police? Walk me through how the police were going to help you. And I feel like at a point, like if this were me and I had identical twins that look identical and I could not tell them apart, I would literally decide who was who for that day. One book I read, like they painted one of their toenails or something. And I was like, we could do that. We could do that. But that is also assuming that when you painted their toenail, you knew which one you were painting. Exactly. You're making some bold choices. You've got And how make- often do we forget like the password to our computer? Does this woman call the police every time she can't get into her Gmail? <laughs> I find it super interesting when you said you don't feel like the word beauty or like the concept of beauty is for you and as you said not in a way of like not finding yourself beautiful or not being able to see yourself as beautiful but it's sort of like that's not my lane right like y'all can all run in that race if you want to chase the beauty high (laughs) go for it It's like that. It's the Jason Momoa meme where he like flips the chair up and sits down. You're like, but that's gonna be a no for me, dog. (laughs) Like I respect it, and y'all, y'all can keep climbing that stupidly tall tree. But like, I'm just gonna watch. It's fine. You let me know when you're ready to come down here. Exactly. (laughs) I will. I will gladly get you a chair. 
<laughs> there's more than one chair. Oh, yes. Um, I'm curious if you, and I think you started to touch on this, coming to terms and understanding your gender identity and saying, if this is also true for you, saying, look, I'm going to dip out of this gender construct that you guys have created. I'm going to be in my lane. That makes sense for me. Yeah. Um, is that also your approach to beauty? Like, kind of. Like, I don't even know when that happened. It probably happened before I even, like, got into my gender lane. But, like, I think there was probably some sort of grief and some sort of just, like, divesting from the rat race around being an eating disorder recovery and, like, having to accept at some point that I was not going to be thin and, like, I was not going to be, quote unquote, like, a pretty woman and, like, having to, like, grieve that reality and, like, accept it and, like, sort of move on on with like from that I think there was definitely <clears throat> a period where like and there maybe like it's maybe like it's an ebb and flow like it's a wave of times where I'm like I am going to attempt to be beautiful or pretty or like any of that and then I'm like yeah I, really, I don't want to wash my face one time I went to MAC Cosmetics and got my face, like whatever, color, whatever they do, ever they give you your foundation. I think I used it twice in one year. I think, <laughs> I think that was the, the way, the flowing, the, I have pictures where I'm definitely like, I am attempting beauty in this picture that I can think of, but it was mainly because it was like a dressy event or like I had to get dressed up or like something like that. It wasn't like, because I was like, I want to be beautiful today. Uh, so yeah where I'm at with that I feel like that also kind of goes back to that idea around like body modification and like augmentation mm -hmm. where there's a again there's a difference between I am doing this I'm dressing up for me versus for others mm -hmm. and for others to perceive me in a certain way which especially as Black folks, especially, especially as neurodivergent Black folks, mm. I think we are especially good at the, not just the code switching, but also masking and having to turn parts of ourselves on and off to feel safe navigating spaces. And I know for me, part of getting older and becoming more comfortable with myself is just being like, I don't really give a fuck <laughs> mm -hmm. if you like the version of me that shows up. The version of me that shows up is who you're getting. Get on board or step aside. And also, I think as I have found home within myself more as I've gotten older, I don't care to be in those spaces. Like younger yeah. version of me was working really hard to show up in the ways that I thought people wanted me to show up so that I could be accepted. And it's like, I don't want to be anywhere where I have to work that hard. This is very poignant. I'm, I'm digging this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about like when I was like in high school, which I was in boarding school. I lived in Colorado. My family was in Nebraska. I was like, get me away from them. But like in that distancing, I was very obsessively trying to like obtain and hold the male gaze. And not just like the male gaze, but like the older male gaze like was very important to me. And like that continued through college, good times. Um, and then continued, I guess, even after college, but there was a point where my body changed. I, I don't want to say too, I mean, kind of too much to just like be slim, thick, attractive, and mm. then was just like fat. And that tore me up and like threw me for many loops. And then 
there was some point where I like I stopped caring so much about appealing to men and like it wasn't like it didn't matter but it wasn't like keeping me up at night and I think about that also kind of this paradigm of like 2018 to like now where I went from like conscious of like workplace environment like not necessarily dressing up for work but like trying to look somewhat nice and then I was in a casual work environment so it was a little bit better But there was definitely a period during the at-home time of the pandemic where I started working for myself. And I was like, I will not be dressing up for Zoom calls. (laughs) I will not be wearing nice clothes for Zoom calls. And then I would like have a job interview and I would be like, I am showing up with my rainbow hair and my sweatshirt. And this is just like what it is. And everyone was like, okay, that's just who they are. And I was like, cool. Cause like, I don't have the iota of like (laughs) energy to put into like dressing up for this. Because like, if you want me to show up dressed up for a job, this job is not, (laughs) this is not. There's a lot of debate um, on the internet in particular around disclosing disabilities when you are applying for a job. Oh gosh. Yeah. I am of the mindset that outside of jobs for survival, right? Like we are, we're building our career. We're in our profession, right? Like we Mm -hmm. are able to make choices about our jobs, but outside of those survival circumstances, I'm going to disclose about the accommodations that I need because I don't want to be somewhere that cannot accommodate me. And again, I am absolutely validating and recognizing the privilege that is in that. And the like, I have a master's degree. I have a decade of experience now. Like, I have some flexibility in my career search to be able to do that. And also, I'm going to fucking use it. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both for me because, like, I've seen it go both ways. Yeah. And, like, I have had ADHD, bipolar, all these things long enough to the point where, like, they used to not exist on the disability form. And now they're on the the disability form. So, like, at one point, like, it didn't matter whether I checked it or not because it wasn't there. And now it's, like, there. And I'm like, well, now am I supposed to tell you? And, like, also, if I tell you, are you going to act a fool about it? Sometimes I just just don't want to tell you. I'm also, like, applying for jobs now. And, like, I guess it's kind of, like, I mask well enough that I can put you all at at ease. Uh But it's also... Uh fucking exhausting for me and so like it's kind of walking that tight line um or that tightrope but like still in other circumstances because like I have a dog he's a service dog in training the dog before him was an emotional support animal and so like I know that like the moment that I say like I have a dog people are like oh you can't live here it's like it's a service no you can't live here that's elite like you know you can't live here so like in that regard, like, I definitely just kind of don't disclose him until, like, I've signed everything. And then I will tell people that, like, oh, yeah, Walter will be with me, just, like, so you know. And just, like, it just is that. And the application for this apartment, like, I put in the dog. I put in the note from my therapist, all of that. And then, like, a month later, I told my landlord that I was getting another dog. And they were like, oh, we didn't even know you had one. And I was like, it was in the paperwork that I submitted. Right. I was like, okay, so we're obviously doing a good job. Am I overcautious? Probably. There's this concept called the minority tax, and mm-hmm. it very easily can be applied and just sort of like the marginalization tax of like the extra time, effort, and energy you put into navigating the world. Again, yeah. predominantly out of safety, out of protection, out of comfort. 
because you know what happens when things go left. And so it's, it's this constant game of, can I get ahead of it and do the paperwork, get the note, file the thing, da, 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 da. Or do I acknowledge how invisible I am in the world because Mm -hmm. of white supremacy and the patriarchy Mm -hmm. and all the things and just sort of let that invisibility work for me and slide by. And it's a constant tension and struggle because one will serve you more than the other. There's truly no way to know which one. And then kind of coming back to what we were talking about, adding in that layer of beauty and just presentation and how you show up in the world physically adds to how much am I being observed and perceived versus how much am I able to just kind of skate by and fly under the radar. And like, I, there are days where like, I am making a conscious decision of, do I want to be perceived today or not? (laughs) And that is going to impact what I wear, if I put on makeup, and if so, what that looks like, what accessories I might put on, like whatever. It's going to impact all of my decision-making around my physical presentation. And like, that's work. (laughs) I don't have, I don't have the energy for that work. I don't want to go borrow that spoon and then like bring it over here. Right. And that's exactly the thing. It's like, so what am, what am I taking energy away from to put, right. Time and energy into that. And then I have to make the decision for myself of, am I okay with that? <laughs> and if not, why am I still doing it? Right. Yeah. So thinking about all the time, effort, energy it takes mm-hmm. um, to perceive your own beauty. I wonder, has your definition of beauty ever changed over time? I think, like I said, running after, trying to get to the male gaze, for so much of my life, like, and having that be so staunchly important to me, like, men think I'm beautiful, and men think that my body is attractive, and, like, that was always so important to me as a kid, and also as, like, a young adult. Now, I care a lot less. I don't know if, like, my definition of beauty, necessarily, like, what it is, has changed, And that, because like, I still don't have a clear description of like what it is, but I think it has changed. It's maybe it's like broadened a little bit in that, like, I feel like it applies to more things or like more people than I would have thought if you asked me when I was like four or five, um, Mm -hmm. or even like 18, 19 or 26. Like, I think at some point in my life, like I wouldn't even have been like, wow, that sunset is so beautiful. (laughs) Or like that mountain is like gorgeous. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and now I'm like, I can see that like other things in the world qualify as beautiful and it applies to more things, more people. And I feel like it's not necessarily even up to me to decide if people are beautiful or not. For me to be like, that person's really beautiful. And like, honestly, I feel like me telling someone they look beautiful is so much less about me and more about like them and like whether they want to hear it, whether it'll make them feel good, whether that's like a compliment that they would appreciate. I feel like the whole, the whole concept of beautiful and beauty has just like morphed a little bit than just like that girl's wearing a dress and she's so beautiful. Like when I was like a kid and like, yeah, yeah. Just very different. I will say that this is true of my experience and you let me know if it is true of your experience as well. Coming out on the other side of like an eating disorder, you become mm. um, hyper aware of how commenting on someone's appearance. And fuck shit yeah. up. 
Yeah. And I feel like I definitely, there was a time where it was like, oh, I'm never going to say anything to anyone about how they look ever. Like mm-hmm. good, bad, like I'm not going to even acknowledge that there are thoughts about the way people look. Yeah. And, they don't even exist in a body. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, no. yeah. like it was basically like the body version of, I don't see race. Like exactly. They're, they're a sack of organs. Exactly. Yeah, they're just like a floating consciousness in space. Ex- exactly. <laughs> And then just how I don't see race is not productive or helpful, realizing that that was not productive or helpful and also was affecting my ability to perceive my own body and like do that validation for myself that I had been seeking from others for so long. And so then it it has grown into being still very conscious and aware if, when, and how I ever comment on someone's appearance. Yes, yes. Like, I'm I'm still very cognizant of, like, I'm not going to talk about someone's size in terms of, like, anything other than neutral. Like, and, and I think that's what it is. It's, like, I've really worked to, like, any comment about someone's physical appearance is, one, in response to something they are bringing to the table and they are bringing mm. to the conversation. That's not my lane. And, two, for me, it's really important to keep any like commentary or like whatever in this sort of neutral space like you know the the people that are closest to me are very aware of my history of my eating disorder very aware of how I'm like I don't want to hear any negative fucking shit (laughs) about our bodies because we are all doing our best but you know people in those outer layers, just people out in the world, people at work, every fucking office that's been like, we're going to do like the diet challenge, like get the it. weight we loss challenge. It will be like, a good time. Hard pass. Like in those spaces, I have discovered that it is super exhausting to constantly be educating and informing people of why this is fucked up. Yeah. And people are really likely to get defensive. So we're not going to get any. I only have so much time. I have to right. pick my battles. <laughs> Yeah, I got like, to think is my- this education day or is it not? Right. But I also need to set my boundaries of like, yeah. what we're not going to do what we are not going to do. Um, <laughs> and so exactly. I, <laughs> I found it helpful to just sort of cushion things in this like neutral space of like when people mm-hmm. want to get into negative body, like self-talk around me, like me responding with like, hey, it sounds like you're having a really hard time with this. Like, is there anything that you want to talk about? Like, I'm not about to engage. I'm definitely not going to tear myself down so that you don't feel like you're doing this alone. Yeah. And I would much rather reframe than just sort of, like, let it skate by also. Because, like, I don't need you mm-hmm. thinking me like this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it again. I want to, yeah, like, yeah. come bubbling back up. Right. <laughs> I'm actively yeah. trying to get away from this. Yeah, like I'm I'm gonna set I'm gonna set a boundary and also try to maintain some compassion and empathy and and like you said, like is this an education day or is this just a like that sounds really hard. I'm sorry, and then move the fuck on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally, physically, bye. Uh, yeah, <laughs> later days. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that so deeply. I'm curious, what, if anything, makes you question your beauty? I feel like the the snap answer to that will forever 
I don't care how much work I do, be fatness. It, it just it just be that. I feel like when I physically, because I mean, we can compare ourselves to people on every level, but when I physically compare myself to people, it's less about, oh, my skin doesn't look so good or like, oh, actually this one I'll do sometimes I'm like, my eyelashes are just like not nearly as great as their false eyelashes. Like, why are my eyelashes not three inches long? I feel like it always comes back to like, they are thinner and it's, it's not even like thinner in terms of like, you're thin, so you probably are beautiful, but it's like, I will compare myself to people in terms of mobility ability and like Mm -hmm. their ability to just like go for a walk, their ability to just stand up and go walk somewhere. Like it doesn't matter or like, exist in like a body that's not difficult it's not directly in terms of like this is what beauty is but it's like ease I think and that's just like something that I question and then it it just gets all funky when you've had an eating disorder because you're like if I even look at planet fitness am I in relapse I'm laughing because, (laughs) wow, is that deeply relatable? Down to Planet Fitness specifically. (laughs) It's just Planet Fitness. It just gets me. Like, I'm like, if I am within, like, a 0.3 mile radius of Planet Fitness, like, am I okay? Like, even if I am at McDonald's, like, with a milkshake, am I okay? (laughs) And it just, like, it just, oh, it's so frustrating because on one hand, I am, like, Physically, in a smaller body, these five things would be easier and not affect me every single day. But to get to those like five or to get those five things to be easier, I'm gonna have to go to the gym. I'm gonna have to go sit on a machine. This is assuming that I don't gain it all back and then I'm like in a more uncomfortable place. Like, and I'm like, and this is assuming that like my brain doesn't go batshit crazy and like, that I am not like upset or having a mental breakdown. Ooh, like it is j- like. Right. I, I think often of those moments where I'm like, like some little disordered something bubbles up to the surface. Cause here's, here's the tea, everyone. If you have had experience with an eating disorder, you probably know this to be true. Um, in that it is similar to addiction in that it never truly goes away. Right. Instead, you become more equipped to handle those triggers in healthier, less destructive ways. You become more equipped at identifying those triggers so that you can navigate the world in less destructive ways. And you get better at self-soothing and and getting through the other side of impulses like impulses that used to knock me down one rarely happen anymore and two if they do they're gone in seconds instead of hours days whatever you know it's i don't know that it's ever fully fair to say like oh my eating disorders gone (laughs) like and here's the thing that gets me like it like I can genuinely have like a non-disordered interaction with something that could become disordered like we'll take planet fitness for example like I can go into planet fitness I could probably sit down and like do something and not be like triggered the fuck out to be like 
I need to go lose X amount of weight today. I need to eat this much. Like without like going down a rabbit hole, I can like exist in triggering situations. But then it's almost like, should I be having these thoughts? Like, wait a minute. (laughs) It's like, if I got on the treadmill and I'm fine, if, if I'm burning calories, is that a problem? Like, it's almost like, it's so extreme. (laughs) Yes. Like your brain gets so caught. I've talked to my therapist about this a lot of like, I sometimes I'm working so hard to be healthy, happy, healed, recovered. Yes. That I am like setting myself up. <laughs> yes. Yes. <Over-thinking. laughs> I don't like, think people talk about that enough. No. Of like like earlier today, like perfect example. Earlier today, I took one of my dogs on a walk because he was just being feral. And I was like, all right, we're gonna go burn some energy. And I came back and was like, like we sprinted that walk. I'm going to have a donut. Cause like, I just worked really hard and like, I caught myself and was like, right there, right there. They are separate of each other. And I was like, how about you move on? And I was like, okay, great. I'm just going to eat my donut and enjoy it. But then my brain wanted to come back and be like, so you're thinking about how walking and eating are connected. Does that mean that you like, it's just, it's literally, no, you know what it is. It's like, it's like, you're just like sitting there with your donut and like, it's like a TikTok, like it says like <laughs> recovery on their shirt and they walk in and they sit down and like, do you want to unpack that? Do you, but do you want to, do you want to talk about how you did physical activity and then you ate a food and, and like, what could that mean? Do you want to? Right. Right. Like how, how are you feeling? Do like, you, do you, like, do you feel safe? Do you, right. would do your you, body feel different if that was like green juice? What if the green juice and the donut were the same amount of calories? Would you still feel the same? Oh my God. And then I just like want to like fucking punch recovery in the face. But right, also right. I'm like, but then I'm like, but I can't punch recovery in the face because it's important. Right. You're like, uh, again, like you end up in this space of like, I am deeply, deeply grateful for my recovery and the life that I lead recovered. And also there are still, because the like disordered piece never fully goes away, it gets quieter, softer, whatever. There's still the hypervigilant early recovery piece Mm -hmm. that exists. And the two of them sometimes, I'm like, could you guys just shut the fuck up? Right. Like I, I just want to walk my dog so he'll chill the fuck out and then eat a donut because it's good and be left alone. (laughs) Like everyone go to your fucking rooms. (laughs) And then it's like my like ADHD like hyperfixation is like, ooh, should we like obsess over this for a while and like right. open up some journals and Google some things? And- oh yeah. Let's go make an Instagram post. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, everyone, shut up. Like get away from me. It's so fucking true. And you're just like, you're just like, let me just let me eat this thing. Let me just yeah. I just I just, what's it like for people who just exist? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I just want to know, could you just tell me? Yeah, just as a treat, could you tell me what it's like? <laughs> what is it like when your brain is quiet? Does your brain ever get quiet? I'm assuming that brains sometimes are quiet. Please tell me if that's the case. I would not know. <laughs> I would not fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> it's always so fascinating what those, like, moments are because... Mm-hmm. They just really pop the fuck out of nowhere. And I think kind of going back to what we were talking about, like those random triggers that make you go, 
I don't know, am I beautiful? Would anyone perceive me as beautiful? Similarly are like, where did you come from? Like, (laughs) and now I'm like, so I'm thinking about this because we're talking about this. And one of the things that I encountered in early recovery, and I might've also, I don't know, you know, wherever the line gets fuzzy between like still sick and early recovery, but (laughs) I listened to a podcast with Virgie Tovar where she talked about the first time that her like mind didn't immediately go to like how many calories am I burning when she went on a walk and I first of all I was like bish you lying but like I have since talked to Virgie Tovar and she was not lying but <laughs> like I have confirmed she was not lying but I'm I'm still skeptical um but I know for me like one of the most I use triggering weirdly here because I'm not like freaking out but also like it's a deep, uncomfortable feeling that I get when I go walk somewhere. And it is both this like hyper-focus of the thoughts of like, am I burning calories? Am I doing movement? And like this, like, it's like the people in the room, but also physical discomfort of walking. And then also the thought of people seeing me walk, all of these, all of these. So like, I have a dog, he needs to go for a walk. It would Sometimes he gets a little feral, you know, like he could use a walk. The idea of taking him outside of this house, outside of any house, and just like walking him around the block. I know that like logically there are things that are worse, but any of them sound better in that moment. I'm like, I'm like just thinking like, I'm like standing in front of the auditorium naked. Sounds great right now. (laughs) For me, it's walking upstairs in public oh don't get me started on stairs just stairs in general who invented stairs and like I have to go up and down stairs to get into my backyard or like to come in from the driveway and I'm fine I I do it every day multiple times a day sometimes I'm fine Mm -hmm. but the minute that like someone's over or I see my neighbor can see me I'm like oh my god do you think that they're thinking about me going up and down these stairs yeah And like, again, I am so much better today at being like, that's absurd. Move on with your life than I was deep in my disorder, even earlier. Like, I'm not going to stand here at the bottom of the stairs and think about it for the next 20 minutes, but I'm going to think about it though. It's still going to run across my brain. I'm I'm still going to walk up the damn stairs, but I'm going to think about it while I do it. Like, I'm going to have... and I think the thing is, and this pisses me off when people says that when people say this, where people are like, people don't care about you. They're off living their lives. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. When I am driving down the street and there's someone walking their dog, I am watching them because I am like, how are they doing that? They, <laughs> I am the one who is who is not caring about their life and, and watching. I'm them. doing it. That means somebody else could be doing it. Exactly. And it just pisses me the fuck off every time. I'm like, yeah, go take the damn dog on a walk. And I'm like, but someone will see you. The only time I need an invisibility cloak is to go take a fucking walk. Yeah. I just want to mind my business. I just want to mind my business invisibly. That is literally all I asked for. That is the the smallest thing. Like, literally give me fucking calculus homework again if you let me take, if you let me mind my business invisibly. I'm really going to deal with the devil, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we ask little Nas, like, the devil kind of hot. So, I mean, yeah, I got time. I got time. Honestly, it worked out for him. It really did. <laughs> Taking the dog on the walk 
going up and down the stairs makes us question our beauty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) What or who makes you feel beautiful? This is a tough one. I feel like they're fleeting moments. And we have like, once again, established that I'm not like aiming for beauty on any given day. So I'm just, I'm more thinking of like, what makes me feel like at home in my body. And I think most recently, I made a TikTok about this because I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Rover, the dog company, you know, like the like border dogs, walker dogs, because I don't take because I don't take walks. I like sent Walter on walks with Rover and I posted it on Instagram and obviously I have an account. So they were like, can we send you a gift? And I was like, sure. So they sent me like this little Christmas box and it had like all this cute little doggy stuff in it. And it had the cutest little like baseball hat for Walter in it. And then it had a baseball hat for like a human in it. And I was like, Walter, put on this hat. And Walter was like, I will not be wearing that shit. And I was like, do it for the gram. There was like a point later on where I was like, what if I put the trucker hat on? And I put the baseball hat. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was literally like this moment of like mind blown where I was like, why do I feel so hot right now? I was like, I don't understand how a trucker hat can do this to me. And then I, and then I had to do like the really like easy, annoying thing and like turn it backwards and be like, am I, am I still hot? And I was like, I'm still hot. I was like, I am so fucking hot right now. And like, I was like, this makes me feel like all gendered up. Like, I don't know what gender it is, but I feel right. So like, I'm not like brave enough to wear this hat. I mean, I should wear this hat on walks. I was going to say, I'm not brave enough to wear this hat outside, but maybe I should wear this fucking hat on a walk. This could be our invisibility cloak. This could be our fucking invisibility cloak. This is a lie. We might be on to something. <laughs> this is a lot. I'm like, why did I have therapy yesterday and not tomorrow? Like, I like so, literally uh, show up to therapy all the time. Like, look at this thing that I found. I love that so much because I don't think we give enough credit to adult safety blankets. Like, mm. things that just make us feel comforted. And like you said, at home and how that comfort transforms into confidence into you know seeing our beauty into feeling hot as fuck like whatever it is yeah. and, and I think sometimes capitalism convinces us mm. that okay fine you can have that thing but it has to be like a thing like yeah you know it's got to be big flashy expensive like whatever and it can truly be as simple as a hat that I just look good in like yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I gotta wear this. I gotta wear this hat more often. Yes, please wear the hat. Let us know. Also, let us see Walter in the hat. <laughs> we want it all. Uh- <laughs> oh my God. I have to find the little dog hat and like put it on him. And then we'll both go on a walk together with both of our hats on. And like, also as someone who like doesn't want to be seen outdoors, like I have like a dog with a rainbow tail. So like, Everyone's fucking looking at me anyways, but they're not looking at me. They're looking at the damn dog. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like I have said before, like I deeply view fashion as like a like radical and like mm. political. Like it like it is very layered in like how you choose and what options you have to yeah. to dress, to present in the world, to show up in the world. Yeah. Um, 
And like I, like I said earlier, right? Like depending on how perceived I want to be that day, depending on what mood I'm in, or if I need to change my mood up, right? Like picking certain pieces of clothing or accessories or whatever can have such an impact on that. And especially for fat people, like thinking about clothing in particular, our options get so limited because society sucks. And then when you, I talked about this on TikTok and Instagram and people had a lot of feelings, Um, but I was specifically talking about Sheen. Sheen, Sheen. We have lots of feelings about them. Um, And look, I said it then, I'll say it now. I am not saying that they are good as a company. No, no. But they make clothes that you can wear. They make clothes that you can wear and you can afford. Like, that's the thing that I think people, like, it's a, it's a, it's a double whammy for fat folks, for folks with just different body shapes, for, like, people not in the standard. It's fucking true. Even if you find something that fits, how much does it cost? Oh, I found the cutest overalls in, like, this dusty rose. Oh, yes. $218. Yeah. $218. Can I, like, for one, for one item, like, I, what? And again, this goes back to the scam of capitalism where I should not have to sacrifice, like, morals and values and, like, wanting to support, like, more ethical companies for clothes that will literally just fit me. And then... Once yes. I get into clothes that fit me, are these clothes that I even want to fucking wear? Because the other right. thing that happens for fat people, especially, is like, well, you should just be grateful that we've made you this open cut shoulder. Sack. Oh, I've just I've accepted that that rainbow skulls are just my vibe. Right. I like you got like they I mean I like rainbows skulls like not so much fine. but they're my vibe apparently according to Torrid so here we are oh my god Torrid <laughs> is one of the most egregious <laughs> but the jeans fit right it can be a real hit and, or miss and like once they fit you can't go fucking around with everything else because they might not fit at at like seventy dollars you so, can't yeah. just take that chance. Absolutely not. Like we don't we don't have time to take that chance. And so like I like the point that I made in that TikTok was like, if you are straight size, if you are making good money, leave Sheen alone. Okay. There are options for you. You don't need to contribute. If exactly. you are not one of those things or both of those things, do what you gotta do. Okay. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism, so we can all stop pretending like right. just because you're shopping the sustainable brand that is still, ex- it's just exploiting its workers in America instead of another country, okay? <laughs> like, I don't want to hear it. As someone who so true. So has true. worked in and around that industry before, like, it's all a scam, babes. If I have a body that our fucked society has decided is difficult to dress, then I'm going to shop wherever there are things that fit, I can afford, and I like. Like, I need the Venn diagram of those three. And if it happens to be Sheen, then so, like, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> fair. It's fair. Plus, once I'm wearing it, like, you you don't even fucking know who made it. Unless you're coming over looking at the tag, in which case, 
please pay for it. Right. Right. If you want to be this in my business, then you can cut a check. (laughs) Yeah. Then you can pay for it. That is, I will listen to you as soon as you are paying my bills. You can put me on payroll. (laughs) You want to be this in my business, then you can pay for it. Exactly. Exactly. Those are all my questions for you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking. This has been so much fun and I am just feeling all kinds of good. Um, would you like to share where, how the people can find you? You can find me on the social medias because that is where I spend a good deal of time. Um, I also have a website though, because you know, business, um, but pretty much anything Nia Patterson, um, you can find me on Instagram at the friend I never wanted or that Nia Patterson. You can find my website at www.niapatterson.com. Um, and I'm trying to like, if you want to work with me on your social media, on showing up authentically on the gram, um, reach out in DMs or shoot me an email at Nia at neapatterson.com. It's called branding. Okay. It's called branding. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Which I actually help you with as well. So it's fine. This can be you. <laughs> this, you could you could have a spiel that good. You're welcome. Uh <laughs> And as always, you can find me, your host, at Sarita Fonta, S-E-R-I-T-A-F-O-N-T-A on all the platforms. And you can find the podcast at Not Ugly Pod on all the platforms as well. Um, Like, rate, subscribe. Unless you don't like this, then keep it to yourself. Get the fuck (laughs) out. Then goodbye. Um, But that's it. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. That was the end. Go tell a friend to listen to the Not Ugly Pod. Look, I'm still not a rapper.